welcome to episode 153 of Relics of Ore. I'm your host, Grybach, and joining me this fine evening is Spirit, and maybe at some point during this podcast, Evie will join us, uh, but he is AFK at the moment. So how are you doing this evening, afternoon, Spirit? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm content. I'm well fed, and I'm excited for Tuesday, which is a huge, huge patch. Yeah, this is... This episode, I'm just going to give apologies in advance because so much stuff happened in between our two episodes that we are going to be missing some stuff. There's no way that we can record long enough to cover all of the changes. And I think so much stuff has happened that all of us don't even know everything that's happened anymore. We were just sitting here looking through our show notes and mentioning things to one another that, (laughs) yeah, that who knows? It's crazy. Um so I guess without further ado, let's just kick it off mostly in chronological order since the last episode. I okay. I, f- I feel like the first thing that was announced was the changes to movement, which I am bitterly sorry and angry about, um, which is that movement impairing conditions, namely chill and cripple, no longer affect movement skills like Savage Leap or any of the any of the like lunging jumping skills previously they would affect the distance that you went and then also conversely swiftness no longer increases the range of those skills so i know as a necromancer that's super frustrating do you have any do you have any thoughts on those changes spirit mm, not super detailed ones just mostly that uh I liked the old way better, and I think it'll actually take some use getting used to the new way instead of um I think at some point they had said you know it wasn't intuitive that the skill was not working as advertised while chilled, and I don't know if I agree with that yeah um, i I don't either <laughs> <laughs> then chilled is not working as advertised in my opinion, yeah, so eh, I'm kind of. Sadly indifferent, I guess, is how I would characterize my feelings. Like, eh, I'm kind of bummed it's leaving, but I don't care enough to be angry like a necro who PvPs might. But Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I mean, Eevee would have a lot to say about that. Uh, yeah. I mean, I know that a large part of my World v. World build is massively inflicting chills and cripples onto people because it makes it really hard for them to get away. And that's sort of one of the explicitly stated class goals of Necromancer is that we don't have mobility skills, we don't have good engages, we don't have good disengages, but what we do have is a lot of hit points, a decent amount of staying power, and the ability to stick to people if we get close to them. And we kind of don't have that much staying power, and this drastically limits our ability to actually keep people close to us and we have no way of keeping up with them because we don't have any leap skills. So it's, I find that somewhat frustrating, but eh, say la vie, I guess. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like I said, there's so much to talk about that we honestly don't have time to even talk about this and gripe about it, which I would totally do for an entire podcast (laughs) if I could. Um, And then I guess after that, we, I think we got the massive information about condition changes overall. If, if my memory serves me. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, so, so do you want to go ahead and talk about that? Essentially, uh, conditions have historically been a problem for a number of reasons that they 
are addressing all at once, which scares the ever-living daylights out of me, because uh, as we have established, change is scary. Um, one of the main problems was that conditions capped at 25, which they're changing to, oh, I don't know, a mere 1500, which I woke up and the news was already out there, and I did not believe my morning eyeballs. But there it is, fifteen hundred as a condition cap. Holy crap! Yeah, I That's... think I think somebody mathed it out, and it was something like it would take sixty or eighty people that were each applying the previous condition cap of twenty five individually to hit that cap, which still could actually absolutely happen on some fights like tech, but for the most part, will never happen. Right. And in five-man dungeons, I mean, it'll be unheard of. It'll it be interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see how how high they'll be able to push it, and whether we'll want to. Um, like, at what point, if you have two or three condition damage dealers, if there's a point where it kind of peters out, and you don't, you maybe don't. There's like a soft cap, not a hard cap, where you don't want to have many more condition dealers, maybe. Or if there's not, or I don't know. I'm just really, there's so many balance changes going on that I genuinely do have no idea how things are going to settle in once specialization changes are out and the condi changes are out and everything happens. I'm excited for it, to be sure, but I really don't have a good idea how this is going to shake out. Yeah, I mean, I think that intuitively speaking i would say that there's probably never going to be a point of diminishing returns unless we're talking about as i said the the world bosses where you actually can max it out i think that in an ideal world that conditions sort of balance out there's some fixed amount of time where if you can get more than a certain number of conditions per player on they start to out damage uh, zerker but that a lot of the time the zerker will just kill it before you get those stacks established and so mm. having having more of that actually matter, I don't think will ever be a problem. Um, it may actually tilt dungeon metas in the other direction if bosses have enough hit points, um, and as well any new content in Heart of Thorns, since we don't really know what the hit point scales are going to look like, that if the boss fight is going to take X amount of time, that conditions may actually become super valuable because over that because they will have enough time to get there um right obviously we don't know too much about that but i think that overall it's well it's obviously a buff for everybody it it allows condition focused builds like some short bow builds i believe for ranger obviously condition necromancers uh grenade ngs um I don't even really remember what other pure con condi damage builds there are that people use in PvE, but all of those are basically getting buffed into usefulness if you have more than one person in your party doing that, which is great. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also worth remembering that it's actually a buff as well to everybody that incidentally applies conditions. Because if you just happen to... Like, there are a few weapons that are not really used in a condi spec they're used for other reasons but they do sort of just apply conditions anyway and mm -hmm. that's a big buff to them because previously you may have hit the condition cap and then you were either passively screwing over your condi character by overriding their conditions or your stacks just weren't doing anything and so those builds are actually going to get a, a small smallish buff which is pretty cool um I'm really curious to see if Sinister becomes a 
uh, weapon set that people use. Yeah, I uh, I wanted to say full disclaimer. I don't think in any way that right now the full damage meta is going to be displaced. I just think it might maybe shift towards more Condi acceptable. Um, but yeah, Sinister is definitely going to play a big role in allowing to shift because it's a full damage Condi set. And that, I'm really looking forward to that. I've got a set built and I've got the materials to make another set if I decide that I really like it on one character. Hmm? We've acquired an Eevee. Oh, hello, Eevee! Maybe. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing this fine evening? I may have gone to sleep because I'm <laughs> slightly slick. And I was like, okay, I'll sleep for 45 minutes. And then slept for three hours. So. Oh, I know that feel. <laughs> okay, well. Well, welcome. Welcome to the show. Yeah, uh, cliff notes of what we've talked about is that we briefly mentioned the changes to conditions relating to movement skills and how I'm bitterly angry about it and then that we didn't really have time to dwell on it over much because we have so much to talk about this episode. Do you have any quick thoughts on that? I think it's one of the better changes. No! You go away! <laughs> Get Dissenting off! opinion! It's gonna make balancing things a lot easier. Uh, if by that you mean that they need to start removing some of those skills or making them worse... Removing. Wait, what? Like the fact that chill and cripple no longer slow you down at all if you have a movement skill? It's not about the chill and the cripple. It's about the speed making you too fast. Makes disengaging way too easy. It's even easier now, though, if you don't have. Uh, if you don't have. If you didn't have swiftness, but you did have a movement skill, now it's even easier to get away from the classes that are trying to keep you in place. Ex. Except the classes that did have swiftness and movement skills weren't the ones that were supposed to be disengaging. Well, there's so... that too, but like as a as a necromancer, since we don't have any skills to engage, like we just cripple people or chill them. Like the idea that they just go jump, jump away, and then you're like, oh, I can't chase you at all, is incredibly frustrating. Mm. With the changes to conditions, I know why they did that. Granted, the game's going to be very broken for probably like a month after the condition changes go live. But yeah. And there's also the fact of with the changes, slow would make disengaging easier, which doesn't make sense <laughs> that is i yeah i well that yeah that is sort of ironic do you want to explain that for anybody that doesn't understand the correlation there that is sort of a funny thing okay quickness will actually um make movement skills not last as long because they activate faster so the movement skill will ultimately end up not going as far Slow, on the other hand, which is the new condition that's coming with... Is, is anything in the specialization thing on Tuesday giving slow? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think so, because they ended up not giving guardians with the hammer thing slow, which I think is a lost opportunity. Anyways, slow, on the other hand, 
will make the activation time longer. So you move for a longer time. So a detrimental effect is beneficial to movement skills, which is very counterintuitive. Yeah, it's pretty bass backwards. Which yeah, it all has to do with the way as, they like did the physics and the calculations. As so is quickness being detrimental to movement skills, and with how they're making quickness a little bit more available because it's going to be turned into a boon rather than an effect. Yes. Yeah. I I like the change because one and probably the most important one is that it's going to allow them to make slow, quickness, chill, cripple, and even immobilizes a lot more available to all of the classes without breaking balance. If you had video, you would see that I'm sort of bobbing my head in a sort of... Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> the, the people that are whining the most are PvE, which I get, but for PvP, this is a very good change in the long run. Yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting. I think most of it comes again, like I said. Obviously, I have a huge necromancer bias, so a lot of it comes from my feelings on the niche that they've designed for the class, and that I feel like they are kind of eroding it in a lot of ways, and then not compensating. Whereas other other professions seem to get a lot of other things that are really cool. Um, <laughs> okay, I get why anyone that plays a necromancer would think that. And on paper, at least from what we've seen, at least right now, that is true. I'm not going to argue that. However, seeing how something like the condition changes go into effect is probably going to change that outlook for a lot of people. Because 4K bleed ticks are going to be a thing in they, PvP. They might be, but not from one person. They will be. But not from one person. Like, if you just had one person on your team, it was hard to get over 25 stacks if you were the only person giving those conditions. So allowing more than one player to use conditions doesn't make any one player better. It makes it scarier. Like, it makes you need to be able to cleanse conditions way more important but if you were the primary condition applier then not much is necessarily changing in terms of that some of the other changes are going to change also obviously like poison i greatly disagree because the ability to apply more than 25 bleeds or mm, bleeds in particular is going to be very possible for several professions at least for a wh- little while. I was going to say, I guess we just don't really know how, like, what what actual number of stacks were possible from an individual class beforehand. Because I can tell you that thieves will more than likely be able to hit around 32. And yeah. that's, granted, that's against people that don't see it coming. And it's going to take roughly two and a half seconds to do that. And that is off of napkin theory crafting. Yeah. And I these mean, aren't even a condition class. Yeah, in, in, yeah, you're really, reality. you're really making me feel great when your example of being able to stack a shitload of bleeds is not on the the class that you said that is going to feel great because of the ability to stack a lot of bleeds. It's it's not going to be about the bleeds. I think with necromancers, 
um, again, napkin math, it's going to be the spread they're going to be able to get, which is going to make condition cleanses not work quite as well, which is a good thing, obviously, because necromancer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, with, the poison changes are going to be really interesting with regard to cleanses. It's not, just, it's not just the poison changes. And, again, this is once Reaper is available, the extreme availability of chill and it being able to be a damaging condition is going to be very, very strong for Necromancers, condition mancers in particular, in hot. Yeah. Because it's going to make basically every damaging condition available to them. And they're going to have it pretty readily available. Ish. You, we still don't really have great access to... Uh, well, I guess you can get Torment through uh, Sigils. Torment and Confusion are not great for us, but that's okay. I'd like Confusion, I'd... yes. Torment is yes and no. Yeah, Torment's, Torment's a little bit more iffy, but that's that's equipment based rather than profession based. Anywho, what else have you guys spoken about? Nothing. We were just getting into the condition changes with the cap and changing how other conditions worked. Okay, full disclaimer, anyone that does not expect their the game to be practically unplayable at least for PvP for probably a month after the condition changes go li- goes live is incredibly naive. <laughs> that bad huh like if 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 the meta stabilizes faster than that i will be very very surprised everyone thought that the zerker spiking at launch was bad is in for a very rough time because <laughs> with less vigor and a combination of not knowing what to expect, condition spiking is going to be a thing, and it's going to hit the not-so-high-tier group, which is basically everyone that isn't playing in, like, world tournaments, the hardest. Hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, I'm really interested to see how it plays out in World v. World, where you have large numbers of players. It's not going to be as bad in World v. World. Because there's large amounts of players, there's also a larger amount of condition cleansing going on. Mm, that's true. The The biggest issue in World v. World is actually going to be for defenders. Mm-hmm. Particularly once uh, a Zerg reaches say, a guild lord or any big NPC, it's going to make defending them a lot more difficult because everyone will have all their conditions going on this particular NPC and anyone near that NPC is going to be incredibly vulnerable to Epidemic. To what? Epidemic. Oh, yeah. Because they're pretty much guaranteed to have 25 stacks of everything all of the time. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Twenty five stacks of uh, <laughs> like burning and uh, that that would that have never previously had stacks is going to be really. And that's it's going to be going to be interesting. From and it's not going to be like weak conditions either. From people that are just randomly applying them, it's going to be twenty five stacks coming from a condition mancer. 
because yeah. those are the ones that are going to be slotting epidemic. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. So that that dynamic of uh, defending, at least at that point in a fight or whatever, is going to sway a lot more in favor of the um, attacking team than it already is. I already think there's kind of a favor. Oh yeah, I I mean, once they get to your NPCs, it's almost always over unless you get a huge zerg of people showing up to like pincer them. I don't I I think we've only ever failed to capture a guild lord once we actually got to them or a you know what I mean, keep lord or whatever yeah. like twice in my memory and that was because like I said they had a huge number of people and it was usually in stone mist where they can like hide a bunch of people inside of it. Like that's <laughs> yeah. Once once you get there, you've usually pretty much already won it. But I've seen it a few times, like enough for me to not be able to count them all. But all of them have been during off peak hours where there were like maybe twelve people attacking, and there were like somewhere between eight and fifteen defending. So there's a lot more emphasis on just each individual player rather than just sheer numbers yeah yeah um yeah so yeah we, i guess we didn't explicitly say uh we've known for a while that poison and bleeding are going to be getting uh stacking ability also uh confusion is getting both its current effect and a damage over time component but kind it, of lowering the, the damage or the current effect right the formula is basically turning half the damage of confusion well okay the formula is making confusion work off the same amount of damage that say torment would do while moving but it's splitting it in half making one half from skill activation and then the other half is basically going to be a bleed yeah and it's... which is going to make it much more consistent in pve and not quite as strong in pvp but probably riskier in pvp as far as actually having it on you because for any type of build that only applies confusion um like mm, what are the runes that i no i'm thinking of mesmer scepter mm -hmm. that confusion spike that they like were using when condition mesmers were a thing on like thieves that would spam or whatever they used to basically kill a thief yeah that won't quite do that now instantly but it will do it anyway so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it's gonna be interesting uh yeah i haven't really mapped out the confusion changes i'm very happy that they decided to do that with confusion and that they didn't make it a PvE PvP split because it makes the mechanic work consistently. So players going back and forth won't be jarred by the difference. Yeah. Because that's that's a really like kind of core thing that I think should be the same. Yeah, I agree. Also it feels it just in general feels much more true to the Mesmer's concept. <laughs> Absolutely. Um it it will make condition like that combined with like the cap going up and everything. Condition mentors or condition mentors, condition mesmers are probably going to be 
the new meta for Mesmers. I could definitely they, see that. They were already slightly ahead of Zerker as far as damage goes, but because of the condition cap, they weren't really viable. Yeah. And Mesmers were kind of one of the very few professions that were on that line, and with these changes, they're definitely going over it. Yeah. Anyway, we have a lot more to talk about, and we don't have that much time to talk about it, so I guess we're just going to move on from the condition changes. TLDR, it's going to be a giant fuster clock, <laughs> basically. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to break the game for at least a month. That's that's mu- what I'm saying. Yeah, it's it's kind of making me wish that I crafted <laughs> some condition gear lately instead of Zerker gear. Uh, you mean ascended or? Yeah. Well, you can you can change the stats now. That's oh, true. let's talk about that because that's amazing. Ah, uh, this is this is my thing that I'm ready to talk about. Go spirit, and, go. Um. So basically, they're introducing a recipe with the new currency that um, we're getting after you hit 80. So skill points we're no longer acquiring, we're getting spirit shards instead. They fill the function of crafting mats, they're getting a space in the wallet, which is getting an upgrade to include... Uh, oh, I lost my notes. Geodes, bandit crest, pristine fractal relics, world reward turn tickets, and spirit shards. Speaking of fractals, the recipe they're introducing allows you to with some spirit shards and a exotic insignia change the stat set on your ascended gear so you can actually get like if you get a crappy drop so if you get if you're like oh man i'm hardcore zirka meta and i got this healing clerics chest piece and i can't do anything about it (laughs) (laughs) damn you wop wop uh, you can chuck it in the Mystic Forge with some stuff, and you can pop out a stat set of your choosing, and that is great because overnight it will transform fractals from being pretty crappy to pretty reasonable. You can get lucky and get exactly the stats that you need, and you don't have to invest anything. Or for a small, like a reasonably small investment, you can change that over to something which is useful, which is excellent, 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 and it goes a long way towards making fractals at 50 worth it absolutely i also love the like subtle hint of oh yeah legendary armor and dragons are totally still maybe going to be a thing yeah also (laughs) the point of order on the ascended recipe um it sounds like that doesn't work for uh it only works for weapons and armor but that there was a separate teaser of don't throw away all of your rings yet um, if you're hand hanging onto a bunch of them, so there might be an alternate way to do that. But right from what I saw, the that specific Mystic Forge recipe does only work on armor and weapons. It's yeah, going to be right. through ascended jewel crafting. Um, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> anyway, one thing that I am a little bit sad about is when you actually when you put in stuff into the forge, it creates a new item. So if you've got a skin on it, you're probably going to lose it. And also, uh, kind of in the same vein, but different, if you put in a weapon and you pop, um, make it a different stat set, it'll come out with a different skin color because that's how ascended weapons are made. Just a uh, forewarning to anyone. Uh, yeah, or that's, a, good that's a pro and a con. Yeah, because like, if you wanted yeah. a new color, you can run through the colors much, 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 much yeah, cheaper. Also, it will probably really lose like... upgrades as well, so infusions sigils yeah that's true that is true so use your extractors 
Or don't. Just make sure to change it over before you equip it. Speaking of Ascended, we have some confusing uh, text on Ascended gear in that big dump of notes that Dragon Season put up on the internets. Uh, it looked like it was saying that Ascended gear is going to be 10% better than exotic gear, but then Colin said that that was not the case and that both are getting raised and it's going to stay 5% better. So, I mean, I guess trust what Colin said, but it's still confusingly it worded. Prob- okay, what probably went on there was just they were rushing to put these notes out and someone took something not quite the right way and wrote that down when in reality it should have been all gears being improved by blah 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 blah. and yeah yeah or alternatively they saw the backlash and were just like nope 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 (laughs) which i don't think is the case because that'd be a lot of work (laughs) yeah yeah so anyone that thinks that they were responding to backlash, I highly doubt that. Yeah, yeah. Still a possibility, but I highly doubt it. Yeah. We're also getting new Lion's Arch on to This Tuesday patch is going to be so big. Like, there's like everything is coming in this patch. It feels almost like a mini expansion. Like, we're, yeah. getting, we're getting Lion's Arch back. We're getting the changes to the trait system so that they are now specializations. Um, well, the patch, like the the patch before an expansion, is always like this, though. In any game, it's true. That's true. But we don't have a release date yet, <laughs> so who knows how many patches there will be between now and then? Is mm-hmm. okay. And I know this is going completely outside of like the game industry or whatever. But I know this isn't the case in the United States, at least I don't think it is, but is there a time limit on when someone can pre-purchase something and you actually give them a product in Europe? I have no idea. Because that sounds like something that would be a thing over there. (laughs) I don't know. Mostly because consumer rights are just generally better in Europe. Yeah, I mean, all that really would mean, though, is that they would have to give them a refund, like, which is... <laughs> which is something that they really wouldn't want to do. But that's also something that, like, NCSoft slash ArenaNet would think of. It would also, I mean, again, I have no idea about European, like, EU laws, but I have a hard time imagining it's much shorter than, like, nine months to a year, which would give them, I, in my opinion, plenty of time. Yeah, I was thinking it would be like a year. Yeah, so, I mean, <laughs> I I hope we're not thinking in terms of a year from now. Um, But that's sort of a separate issue that we'll talk about later in the episode, because... Well, if the, like, NCSoft financial report is to be believed, we're looking at quarter three. Yeah, well, I don't really, I don't really trust those reports, but yeah, I don't either. That's uh, which is why I said that with a hint of sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, also, we're getting basically changes to the NPE, which I am super happy about because they are much more reasonable than what they released with. Um, you're gonna have all of your weapon skills by. Oh, I had a tab for this, and it's gone. Ah, uh, so many things. Uh, you're gonna have all your weapon skills by level eight, 
I believe it said. And that's also when you're going to get your underwater skills and you'll have all of them. And you'll also be able to equip a full bar of utility skills at 19? Yeah. Uh, 11, 15, and 19 are your utility skill slots. Um, which uh, the NPE just delayed that out so many levels. Um, yeah, it it took way too long to have an entire bar. Like, yeah, <sighs> it makes those level twenty scrolls like a lot more appealing again because you'll just use it and you'll automatically have every weapon skill unlocked and you can have a full bar of utilities. Which not that people that have that scroll probably don't have you know tomes to go all the way to eighty anyways, but. True, but you may but you may want to like level up most of the way on your own, but still skip the first twenty levels. Like mm-hmm. I might do that with my revenant or a second revenant. As soon as my revenant is born, it will be level eighty. But that's that's me because I just hate leveling in any game. Even though Guild Wars Two is probably the best one for leveling that I've ever played, I still just don't like leveling. I feel weak while I'm leveling. I just. I want to have everything available right then and there. PvP has spoiled me. <laughs> Are you going to level yours up via Tome Spirit? One yes, and the other probably. Maybe. <laughs> like, I theoretically, I'll want to take my time with it and level it again, but I can't tell you how I'll be feeling when Hot comes out and whether or not I'll just be like, eh. 80 today because I have got you know 160 leftover tomes. Wow, that is so many. I thought I had a lot with 80. If they were giving them like a unique experience somewhere in the leveling, I would be more inclined to actually level it. But since you're basically starting a revenant and going through content that we've done, God only knows how many times, or at least I've done. I'm just like, eh. I've been there, done that. Click, 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 click. Yeah, it's just been a while since I've done it. Is the would be the only real motivation for me. Like I haven't leveled up a character to eighty in at least a year, maybe a year and a half now. So, you know, maybe we'll see. I've got enough tomes to change my mind later. Um, I've been slowly leveling one of every profession at eighty. So, eh. oh my gosh. Uh, and we have this huge thing of notes. Do you have any, like, quick, uh, skill, uh, or quick specialization update points that you want to point out, Evie? Because I know that we don't have time to do all the classes again. Okay. I would do a summary of each class. If I forget a class, just remind me. Sure. Necromancers. Oh my god, DTF, BBQ, Blood, what? Guardian. (laughs) Burning? Okay. Necromancer. Uh, wait, no, I said necromancer already. Uh, mesmer. That's right. Wait. Mes- wait, what? Okay, confused. Warrior. People who are actually going to use offhand sword for ripping it out as well. That's nice. I love that skill. Sorry, continue. I've always thought that skill was super cool. Thief. Haste. Yes! Engineer, bombs everywhere. Ranger, opening strike in mid-combat? Okay. Elementalist. That's all. <laughs> oh, 
Did you say engineer? Yes. Okay. I already forgot. Um, I think both Ranger and Necromancer got hit with a little bit of WTF mate with some of the... They've gone and changed every skill that didn't have a type to now coincide with one of the types of skills that that profession already had. So consume conditions is now a corruption, whereas before it was completely untyped. Um, and healing spring, it's a trap. Um, uh, yeah. That's one of the few... Okay, not to totally hijack this, but I have problems with rangers, mostly because all of their skills are either very passive or um, kind of like preparatory, like you set up beforehand and then you don't do much during the fight. Uh, and heart, or not, um, healing spring was one of those that you could be very reactive with um, in terms of dropping it and then having your group drop blast finishers or whatever, and it was a really, really great group-oriented skill that is going to be severely hindered by the fact that it's not triggerable outside of combat and it's not triggerable on things that don't trigger traps, like stationary objects. Blah. Continue. Yeah. No, I mean, that's basically the... Well... Wouldn't Healing Spring be activated by someone friendly being on it? Mm, I don't think so, because traps don't... Yeah, and if it was, then why would they even make it a trap? Because the ranger is going to be standing under it. Just to give it a designation so that the traits can affect it. Hmm. Maybe. Uh, Yeah, that would be be a great way of implementing it, I think. And I doubt they'll do it. So I will continue. If it's not like that, then why... What? Okay, I I assumed it was going to be like that. I that's doubt the way it's it going to be that sense. way. I doubt it will because no traps currently do that, and the guardian specialization, the dragon hunter, is elite specialization. Excuse me, um, has a trap that is a heal, and it does not activate unless an enemy walks into it. So yeah, but the unless they add an offensive part to healing spring, it oh god. No, I didn't even think of that. Oh my god! I doubt it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, back to my back to my point, which is that it feels like I understand why they made these changes in terms of uh, philosophically speaking, but I also don't know that I really appreciate some of the changes that they made to. You don't appreciate the consume conditions changes because it was basically a nerf. Uh, well, all all of all all four of those skills—the three necromancer and and healing spring—those are all nerfs, basically, mm-hmm. just in the name. Three of... necromancer. The three necromancer. Yeah, there's uh, consume conditions, plague, and lich form. All got nerfs because they also got types added to them. Um. Like plague, plague now also applies bleeding to you every tick, um, and. Lich form got a five second nerf. Oh, and also plague got, I think, uh, re- I think recharge increase and lich form lasts fifteen seconds instead of twenty seconds. Ah, uh, so you can't get off double minions anymore. With the rationale that there are traits that extend the duration of whatever type lich form got changed into and decrease the cooldowns of your healing skill uh, of corruptions so your healing skill and plague so after you take traits that you already didn't want to take then they will basically be as good or maybe slightly a little bit better than they used to be kind of 
Yeah. Like I said, everything's going to be broken for a month. I would not sweat any numbers at this point. They're going to exist, and that's... They they are going to change. Everything is going to change for the next month. Yeah, it just it just seems a little. Uh, They're being cautious, and yeah, I, I guess I commend them for that because I would rather have everyone be slightly underpowered than everyone be slightly overpowered. I would rather have Necromancer be slightly overpowered. They had that plan than- <laughs> game already. You can deal with it. <laughs> so in we PvP, give you that? we can't be jealous. Well, in PVE, they're. They're going to be slightly OP because they're already set up sort of to like be the condition people. And y- yeah. I'm not going to lie. Getting, getting an epidemic with 25 stacks of bleeding, poison, burning, confusion, torment is going to be gross. That's- Necromancers are going to be incredibly incredibly powerful in team fights. Yeah, they're going to be really good team fighters now, which is good because they went from being useless in team fights to actually being really good. So, at least there's that. And so will like thieves already were the plus oneers, but that that role is going to be much more cemented now cuz I really really think that the whole like quickly drop in just dump a bunch of conditions and just get out is going to be much more prevalent with thieves well much more i mean actually prevalent instead of non-existent because if you played a thief in pvp you played a power build yeah but there is a, a pretty strong possibility now that thieves may go conditions or at least with- viably could go conditions well, I mean, it was viable, quote, before. Well, but more. with the trait changes and the condition cap being removed. For, I mean, for PvP, it's basically been removed because five people are never going to go anywhere near 1500. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it, that's going to be interesting. However, with the changes to conditions, I think condition cleansing is going to be even more prevalent than before. Yeah. Yep. So the fact that thieves don't have much diversity when it comes to that sort of pop in, pop out for conditions Mm -hmm. is going to be the biggest limiting factor for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I mean, again, like it's, you can you can napkin out some really scary condition damage numbers if you get a whole bunch of stacks, but at the same time, like however long it took you to get those many stacks on them, if they had been getting hit by that many zerkers, like that's a lot of damage. Well, the thief is in kind of a unique spot when it comes to achieving stacks very quickly, yeah, because they have like the dodge caltrop blah 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 combo, which can stack up really high, really quickly. Yeah. But it's just bleeds. Yeah. Yeah, I just mean in general, in terms of like general balance. It's gonna like you said, it's gonna be impossible to predict for a good while as things oh, yeah. settle down and builds change and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Moving right along to the next huge piece of news, guild halls. We got a whole bunch of information on guild halls. 
And I think we're all really excited about that. Spirit, since you are actually the guild leader, why don't you just take this off and run with it? Before you do that, though, oh my god, we can make jumping puzzles in the guild hall. That's all. True facts. Um, so in a crazy series of many, 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 many blog posts and a live stream, um, all of which I have not been able to keep up with, but I will do my best to tell you everything about them, um, guild halls have been revealed, and they are much, much more detailed than I expected them to be, and in a good way. So once you set out to acquire a guild hall, you will have to clear it of Mordrem, and it will be located in the world somewhere in um, the new Heart of Thorn maps. Interjection, if I may. Mm-hmm. The video that they showed of like getting go like the beginning of the zone to go in to clear it <laughs> reminds me a lot of an elite zone. Just just saying. Yeah, no, I no, I definitely agree with that. Um I tend to think they won't be that hard to clear because it would just be hard for um you know, guilds to clear it and I don't think mm-hmm. Arena Net wants to to say that, you know, only high-end PvEers can have a guild, but I like where they're going with this, and if no, they use I, it as kind of an introduction to that kind of content, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset. I also think that's exactly what's happening, but, like you said, it it could show an introduction, and the fact that it's such a big map and instanced, and very obviously for PvE, it it's a good sign. <laughs> Especially if the whole, like, clearing process can be done by the entire guild at once. Yeah. Which would mean that they've made the capability of making an instance with a very high player cap that is still somewhat private. On the other hand, we could be just being really hopeful, and that's just an open world thing that is an event, and in order to get the guild hall, you just have to complete the event. Yeah, is it, honestly, for as much information as we got, some of the practical details and like like how exactly we'll be going about doing it kind of got left out. That's okay, because I'm fine discovering that on launch. Um, but in terms of the stuff we do know more about, there's going to be at least uh, six areas in the guild hall that you can build up, and each has a different purpose. There's a marketplace full of vendors, which uh, give access to new... Uh, guild armor and guild weapons and actually each of the guild weapons have a different um, flavoring particle effect depending on which guild hall you get between the two Um, and I forget which way around it is but one of them has shimmery water effects and I believe the cave one has a glowing light effect so more skins and stuff tied to guild progression always a good thing Um, the war room helps you capture stuff in World v. World and allows the building of things such as, oh, I don't know, giant char tanks that you can drive around the Borderlands. <laughs> Pretty cool. <laughs> like, um, airship? I mean, hello. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's airships too. Oh man, there's so much the, stuff. Like, defend, like, keep defending airships that yeah. circle around? Oh my god. <laughs> All I want to know is, can I ride it? <laughs> I Probably hope so. not. Uh, how but, cool would that be if uh, you get like if your guild portal 
um, if you could all move into World v. World together and it takes you out of an airship and drops you into the Borderlands. Just saying. Mm, yes. Um, uh, in addition to that, there's the arena. So you can PvP in your guild hall with... Uh, I don't believe they had a number cap on They said basically as many people that can fit in it, right? But you also have... They were throwing around somewhere between 30 and 40. Wow. Okay, cool. And you can do a total free-for-all, can't you? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I am looking forward to... Particularly, I know, I know um, well, Relics doesn't PvP much as a whole, and I don't PvP much as a whole, but um, talking with other people from Relics and just in general, people have been coming up with some really cool... Um, kind of like alternative PvP types uh, because robots keep pitching jumping puzzles in the guild hall but then we took it even farther and said well what if you can put jumping puzzles in the arena you could have a full uh, king of the hill brawl in your arena which is awesome and I, back to the free for all question I actually don't know if free for all is completely possible with that many people because the way teams quote work in the arena there's some circular things around them of different colors and anyone can just click on them to become like that team and i'm fairly certain that there's only like six or eight of them uh, okay of course there might be a mode set for the arena where just everyone's hostile to everyone we just don't know yet either way something that i wasn't expecting wasn't particularly wanting but I'm really looking forward to in the end. So I'm always, I'm always happy when I'm pleasantly surprised by things like I that. I kind of was expecting it because a not so insignificant part of guild culture or whatever in Guild Wars One was the whole like using your guild hall to PvP your guild mates, particularly in one v one or like two v twos or whatever, just for fun. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, so now everybody that's been clamoring for dueling can have it. Exactly. Like, if you want to duel, it's in the game now. You can you can be quiet. They did also confirm, right, that you can invite other people to your guild hall that aren't mm -hmm. in your guild. Which is they... why I'm just like, there's dueling in the game now. You guys can be yeah. quiet. Yeah. They haven't really exactly clarified on the process, but it sounds like you'll have some measure of customization over who can access your guild hall. Um, not to the point that I think you can make it open world and people can just wander through it, but no. I think to the point where you can invite people in. From... I'm pretty sure they said that it can be public. That would be cool. I don't, yeah, I don't know what that's going to bring, but I'm I have a feeling it's going to be a lot like how Final Fantasy XIV handles uh, guild housing, where there's going to be a specific, like, zone for housing but when people go through the portal so to speak it will like bring up a little list of everyone that's in that zone and you can pick one and if it's public it'll be listed publicly cool so we can set um eric to scribe his way around our guild hall and set up ridiculous jumping puzzles and then invite the public in to join us mm-hmm Excellent. Yeah, this could also be great for hosting custom community events. Like Absolutely. Yes. Well, oh. Uh, that depends on what the player cap for the map 
is going to be. Yeah. With point. really big, like, can be like Pink Day or in LA. Well, Pink Day in LA has to happen in LA. <laughs> but anything that- along the scope of Pink Day in LA is probably going to need to stay in the major cities. Yeah, that's true. That's a really good question. I seriously wonder what the cap is because the, like, you know, in practicality, there's not going to be 500 people in the same guild that are all online in the same zone at once, but it's eh? possible. I mean, so... the Quadal Terror Squad might hit that before, like, while they're getting ready to go do Tequadal or something. But not in one guild. That's the cap for one guild. Uh, Tequadal Terror Squad has um seven guilds now i think they, they recently pared it down and i don't remember how many they have now oh, oh but, i meant if they like all wanted to meet on one map right yeah um, like if you want to invite the yeah yeah that yeah. could happen i don't know i'd what's the world v world cap is that 500 mm, for a map I, I, I actually I, don't know i thought it was 500 per side oh, okay so they can make really largely capped maps but you'll be um bumping into each other yeah well, I don't know, because that zone's pretty big. Oh. Yeah. I don't know, it's just a thought that I I had not had up to this point, and now I'm strangely fascinated by it. Well, I mean, just in general, the what they showed us in those previews was enormous. I mean, it's hard to judge from a preview, but there was a lot of area there. So, who knows? You know? Uh, besides the PvP things, though, in Guild Halls, there's also the workshop, which uh, allows access to and building on new crafting profession, the scribe, which makes designs to decorate your guild hall, to make banners, consumables for the guild, all kinds of good stuff, which is cool and also unexpected on my part. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that it like that they're implementing it through a crafting profession, which is player based. I'm I'm interested in the idea of because isn't isn't one of the pre-purchase benefits at a higher tier a guild decoration yeah actually there's um there's three of them that you're able to choose from yeah i can't remember what they were exactly but one was a wyvern head and i said if i was going to get one it would be that one yeah i just i I think it's interesting the idea of like microtransing out guild hall decorations to individuals rather than like having it be a guild wide progression or if there's going to be a split between those does it you know what i mean i don't know because yeah I, I had thought about this too and i was wondering i was like hey man if they gave us like a sab de- or super adventure box decoration pack that you could buy and then put in your guild hall oh heck yeah i would buy that so fast your head would spin um, <laughs> i want super adventure pack or box traps for the arena oh my god that would be great <gasps> arena net please Oh, best microtrans. Uh, yeah, I would buy that so fast. And if you have an infinite continue coin, you get a 10% discount. Just oh. <laughs> that, please. You bring up old wounds. Oh, no, that'd be great. No, there's... Yeah, it it does interest me how they're going... Like, I now that I know... Now that we've seen that they are, you know, uh, on an individual basis on decorations, it would not surprise me at all to have microtrans monetization for guild halls which is an interesting i can't say i'd I'd really thought about it either way but see uh, what i really want to know is if you can stack decorations on top of each other or if they have to hit like actual map 
like be discreet. Oh, I mm-hmm. see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was just thinking in terms of stack them on top of each other in terms of like in just in general in 3D modeling when you can kind of like fudge objects together by overlapping them in such a way that it looks like they are one object, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just two objects eld together or things. Because um, if if they can be stacked like on top of each other and like sort of inside of each other, like you're saying, it'll give people a lot of leeway in creating like these very complicated things. Yeah, yeah, and that probably will end up looking amazing. Like I personally cannot wait for there to be like massive dragon head statue made of dragon head statues. From the Satan, please. things, it's just like multiple streams of fire. Just <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, was there anything else in guild halls that we like? God, there's so much. I don't even know. Um, I'm, all I know is I'm really excited for them. Yeah, there's in the guild hall itself. There's the tavern and the mine, which are going to be the tavern. Kind of embodies. Uh, I I like the way Wooden Potatoes put it, where he said, um, "They're taking things out of the UI and making them kind of physical in the world," and I like that. So you don't just go and click on your activate banner and then one falls down from the sky. You have to go get it from the tavern NPC. But I kind of like that. Oh yeah, I think that's a really that's a really fun implementation and very much. Uh, I know this isn't quite the context that it's used in, but it's that show don't tell mentality like mm-hmm. right yeah 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 um it's they're just doing they're doing so many really cool things with these guild halls and they are much more than i was expecting like uh i'm i'm super excited super See, i honestly was not expecting them and this is completely kind of a different tangent i wasn't expecting them to be have such a surefire way of ensuring that small guilds would be able to progress just as quickly as large ones. Mm-hmm. But with the implementation of a new system with, was it Favor? I can't remember what it's actually yeah. called. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It it will make that a lot more, like, even. <laughs> yeah, I remember that was a huge problem that I had with the original guild missions implementation because I, obviously I'm part of Twit Guild, and ostensibly part of relics but i also used to be a uh, guild leader of a small guild of mostly irl friends but we were just too small to feasibly ever get guild missions kicking off and like actually you know get that ball rolling we we just did not have the influence stores unless we spent gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs and gobs of money before we could even like start doing content so i love that they're just completely retooling that and just every guild has access to those things and like then you use those to progress your other guild resources i thought that was a really really good way of doing it i just i remember being frustrated and saying that i wish that they did it differently but not being able to offer a constructive solution at the time so i'm glad that somebody came up with one even if it wasn't me (laughs) and and speaking of i really like the changes to guild missions that they're planning because like right now it's just oh hey let's do every single guild mission type except track because why is track a thing <laughs> yeah like every week and that that can get kind of uh 
after a while. It gets old. But with the new way, you do one guild mission every week, and it changes each week. And you get everything from it, which is... You're must, much less prone to feeling like it's going stale that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially when you're RO and you get basically the same missions every week. Because, <laughs> Spiders. Which statistically should not be possible, but it yeah. still happens. Magic. We got spiders eight weeks in a row or something. If there's a robot in Relics that cannot do spiders with their eyes closed backwards, I would be surprised. <laughs> I, I love spiders, actually. You know, one day, just for, like, the fun of it, I did spiders completely naked without using the three skill, and I was able to do it. That's the point we've hit in guild missions, you guys. I've spiders. also done it without using the thing that reveals traps. Yeah. Uh, uh, so is there anything else we want to talk about in guild halls, or is it time to move on to other things? I think we um, touched on everything. Super quickly. Multiple guild chat channels. So if you're oh not a guild God. leader, this oh. will be the thing that you oh. want to know about. Um, essentially, every guild you're in now will have a separate chat channel that you're able to toggle on and off so you can actively participate in all of up to five guilds while representing only one yes so Which good is amazing because i'm i'm one of those people that has five guilds and i actually switch between like eight of them <laughs> much yeah. to the detriment of the guild masters of the other four guilds that are not ro guilds excuse me so yeah <laughs> I, I really think that number should be 10. That's just me, though. I'm a social butterfly also, Evie, don't worry. Yeah, I am really happy about multiple chat channels. It's it's nice. <laughs> Makes me really happy. It's it's one of those things that you're just like, w when the game launches, like, oh, that kind of sucks. And then you just kind of accept it. And now that they've added it, it's just like, yes! Yay! <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Ugh. Do we even want to say anything about pre-purchase stuff? I think we should say something about it. It's been okay. in the community buzzing, burning, flaming, smoking. <laughs> okay. I I think that we should each say our piece completely devoid of the other two's comments. At first, and then go into a discussion. Sure. So Go ahead, then. I think people have slightly blown this out of proportion. But, big but, I also don't think that the issue is so much about new players are getting a better deal than veterans, as much as Anet has not proven in any concrete way that this expansion is worth $50. I think that's the main issue. Because that's kind of expensive for... for bleh, that is kind of expensive for an expansion. And that is the issue with that pretty much everyone is having right now. It's like, oh, it's 50 bucks and there's no character slot. What is this? So they latched on to the, well, it's $50 because base game for new players not really 
It's just fifty dollars. I don't even Which... have to make my comments now, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um I I would say that and I've expressed the sentiment on the Twitters as well, is that I think that the explosion and frustration is more endemic of greater frustrations in the Guild Wars community than any specific part of the pre-purchase, and it reminds me a lot of the sab explosion um, that we had, you know, what, almost a year ago now, when, uh, you know, we found out that there wasn't going to be any more Super Adventure Box, or rather that it wasn't being worked on and they had no plans to work on it anytime in the near future. And, you know, there were a few other things during that time, but basically the gist of it was that it really pissed everybody off and i think but it was largely because everybody was already kind of pissed off in general and they just didn't really have a specific spark to latch on to they didn't have a specific thing to latch on to exactly and they got they got that piece of news that was concretely bad and frustrating after a period of largely silence and frustration and i think that in this case it's the fact that we haven't had any content since season two ended which was i don't even know when that was it was quite a while ago now though um, it was jan early january because it was the week before i moved to new zealand perfect okay so january so that means it's been six months basically all year yeah it's been six months since we've gotten pretty much anything in game and we don't have a timetable on this expansion and we as we said when they gave us the huge info dump about the expansion, they threw around a lot of like buzzwords or names of things that we don't really know the depth of or the extent of or challenging things. group content. I was just gonna say that, yeah, challenging group content, you know, all of these all of these systems that we don't know the details for. And so, like Evie said, we don't know how big the expansion's gonna be. We don't know how many maps we're getting. We don't know you know, we know some things, and we know about masteries, but we don't know the numbers on them or how well they're going to be supported. We don't know. There are so many things that we don't know, and that I don't remember anymore which article it was. I don't think it was. I think it was uh, Massively's article that basically said there are pretty much six different reasons that people are upset about this pre-purchasing thing and they're not necessarily the same groups of people um and i i think that there's a temptation in the community of for a lot of the people that are irritated but not flaming rage monsters to think that the issue that bothers them the most is the issue that bothers most people the most Mm -hmm. um (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think that's the case. I think that there are some people that are really upset, and I think that they are expressing it very poorly. I think that there are a lot of people that are mildly irritated that are expressing it fairly, but feel that they're getting lumped in with the people that are not expressing it well, and so they're upset that people are upset with people being upset. Um, Yeah, I think it's a huge fuster cluck and i think that you know like you said the the not coming with a character slot is frustrating not knowing exactly how much content is frustrating not having a release date is frustrating not having a version that you can buy without like i the whole base game free with it 
doesn't bother me, but I also totally understand where people are coming from saying like, well, I already have the base game. Why is it the same price for me? Like, why isn't that $10 cheaper? Or if you had a character slot, if you already had the base game that you're attaching it to, it was had a, you know, had a character slot or I don't know, whatever. But I can see why people are frustrated. But I think again, that it was, it was a big spark uh, that set off a big pressure cooker of tension that's been going on for a long time rather than anything super specifically bad about pre-purchase so there's my five whole minute long version of what (laughs) Evie just said people like to make the comparison to other MMOs when it comes to situations like this example Final Fantasy 14 has an expansion did did it already come out? if it hasn't come out already it's coming it, it, it comes out very soon. <laughs> and, like, information for the expansion several months ago was pretty forthcoming. Like, when they announced pre-purchase, pre-order, whatever, people knew what they were getting. For FF14. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And more popular example, WoW. When they announce an expansion, they always do an info dump. And it is always huge, and there's the public PTR before the expansion comes out, so basically anyone can try it in this beta. And knowing what you're buying before you buy it has always been a very prevalent thing with MMO expansions. Not the actual games themselves, as far as launch goes, but expansions. And that just doesn't exist with this. And that is kind of a symptom of Anet's past, because the only real expansion Anet has ever done is Eye of the North. But even then, Eye of the North was treated more like another campaign, as far as marketing goes, than a true expansion. So Anet doesn't really have the experience when it comes to being incredibly transparent and forthcoming when it comes to making content for an expansion. I don't blame them for it, considering their past and how being transparent and forthcoming has been detrimental to them in the past, but my firm belief is that is the biggest underlying issue, is people do not know what the actual value of this expansion is and because of that the price is simply too high and yeah and and part of that is not knowing having any idea when i mean mm-hmm. there's also that but even if there was a release date it would satisfy some people but i don't think it would be enough people that would have been satisfied by that for there not to have been the overwhelming negative criticism that there is right now that still would have happened even with a release date yeah well i think part of it depends on when the release date is like if they were like hey it's coming out august 1st like and you know like spending money for a month and a half from now is one thing spending money from any time from now like if they just said it's coming out january of next year then that definitely wouldn't have made people any happier you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um i think there's a certain degree of like hype wave that happens when you know that something's coming soon that like 
makes you more like if you know that mm-hmm. your money's going to be going to you soon that's more of an incentive to do it whereas if you don't even know when it's coming out like like why would you we don't even you know, know when the next beta weekend is gonna be there's <laughs> literally no reason to pre-purchase which is why coming from me i firmly believe no one should pre-purchase right now yeah um yeah i think it's it's really funny one thing i wanted to call out was that on Reddit, there was a thread made for Ravius's post about how some people were acting really <sighs> childish and flamey, and it was it really struck out it struck or stuck out to me that there was one or two comments that were basically saying like this article, namely Ravius, uh, is uh oh gosh, what I'm trying to remember exactly what it was, but it was basically saying like. This person's treating us like children and like they're being a prick about it and I think, you know, blah de blah when, you know, and it's unreasonable for them to do that. And I think that the devs should grow up. And it's like, wait a minute. So basically the article is saying that people are treating the devs like crap and that and you think that the devs should just grow up but you're upset that an article is saying that people are treating the devs like crap and you feel like that's directed <laughs> at you. So this article is crap. And like, I'm like, you you realize that's exactly what you're saying to the devs is to just grow up. Like, you know, it's like, Oh, well the level designer shouldn't feel bad because that's not who we're talking to. And it's like, well, you're responding in an article talking about people that are flaming and if you're not doing that then it's not talking to you but you're still pissed off about it because it's talking about your general community which is exactly like like do you not realize how much irony is happening in this comment you're doing the exact same thing that you're telling the anet devs to grow up about like it's so funny to me like it just in how much it hurts it just uh, yeah, I I don't know. I think I've seen a lot of people like I've even seen people get salty now at arena de- devs that are basically just saying like, "Hey, keep your like feedback constructive because we're people and we have feelings too." And they're like, "Oh, appeal to emotion, blah blah." Like, okay, bro, it doesn't make you edgy to say appeal to emotion is a logical fallacy. Therefore, you shouldn't do it. Like being an asshole is also not is like there's no logical fallacy for being an asshole but it also doesn't lend credence to your argument in terms of formal logic so like don't be an asshole i'm so like (laughs) you know what i mean like that's that's really all i have to say about it like it's just constructive feedback is fine but if you're crossing that line and being an asshole you are not entitled. Like you, you can say that if you want, but that's still you're still an asshole. And like people have feelings, and even if there are things that deserve criticism, nobody deserves to have somebody be an asshole to them. And I don't care how frustrated you are. Like that doesn't make you right. It just still makes you an asshole. Like you might have a point, but eh, I don't know. I it's general online discourse all over again. I guess. So I felt this, this really isn't general online discourse at this point. It's it's just a flame jet going off. Well, it's not quite that point anymore. It's kind of cooled down a little bit, but it's still like that jet engine that caught fire. 
Yeah. Well, well I'm just saying that is <laughs> that is endemic to some internet <laughs> discourse, but um yeah, I I don't know. I I I felt really bad for a lot of people at ArenaNet because there's so many exciting and interesting things to talk about, namely the first hour and 10 minutes of this episode and you know, it's they've been, been completely overshadowed by this just decision basically that they had no control over. Yeah. And it's I I felt really bad for them that like basically the media blitz was everybody super pissed off instead of mm-hmm. everybody being so cuz we're so excited for so many of these things. And yeah. yeah, and I I was saying to Spirit beforehand like I feel kind of weird about this episode before we've even recorded it because on the one hand, there's some changes that I think are interesting or frustrating, namely some of the necromancer changes. But I also like I'm so excited about guild halls and so excited about some of these other changes. And then it's going all the way back around, and I don't want to be a downer because they've already had such a downer this last like couple days in a completely unrelated tangent. <sighs> it's it's a symptom of. A much bigger problem that ultimately the devs have no control over. Yeah. Which sucks for everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. So I guess the takeaway is it's all right to be frustrated. Don't be a douche. And voice your frustrations in a mature, responsible way. Don't send in game emails to devs. Jesus, why mm. would you do that? Yeah, seriously. It's not alright. It's or not cool. Or support staff. Yeah. Don't submit a support ticket being a doorknob. Also, exercise uh, smart purchasing decisions. Mm-hmm. If you don't like what they're giving you, don't do it. But if you're going to buy Heart of Thorns and you're going to enjoy it anyway, go ahead. If There's you no believe that what they are offering is worth it, then by all means, buy it. That is your right as a consumer. Plain and simple. Then a Relics for PSA. Yeah. So with that, we're getting on and towards the end times of our podcast. So at the end of the cast, it's, I think, time for CastCast. Hello and welcome to CastCast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and style of cast of other podcasts this week on CastCast. It's a musical. Um, Actually... <laughs> I've got two links to videos with um, different in-game instruments. The first is Canon in C. Also, is that yeah, that's Packable's Canon, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with eight instruments played live. There's no macros or anything. It's a group of people that got together and did this, which is really impressive considering um, the possibilities of lag and other stuff. So there's a link to that, which turned out excellently from the Musicians Guild of Tyria, and there's also a link to The Ballad of Alex, which has a small story behind it, basically. In the next patch, they've teased that, or Colin teased on Reddit, that a Dragonite Eater will be coming in some sort of form, and he said, thank you, Alex. So, Musical Necromancy went ahead and wrote a ballad. It's a completely original song on the Gilor's Lute to... Alex, the hero who has slain our Dragonite ore problems. <laughs> That's and that awesome. is also a great one. Oh, I have a Wheel of Morality. Oh my god, we haven't do done me, that in so me. long. 
I know we don't, we hardly ever do that, but I have one this week. Okay, wheel morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that you have learned, Spirit. Uh, when Tuesday comes and you have no traits slotted because you need to get yourself sorted with the new patch, you must spec yourself before you wreck yourself. Oh, 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 uh, uh, I, I just, oh god. We didn't have any puns the entire show, and then that happened. It had I've to. been just, waiting all week. Uh, it was inevitable. No, I actually, it's funny. It's it's almost frustrating now. I kind of wish that I had pushed it off, but I have a group of friends that totally tuned out for season two, and we're now running through it all together. And I was like, hey, uh, hey, hey, guys, I'm pretty sure you're going to have to do your traits again. And they were like, oh, my God, what are traits? I don't remember how to play this game. And I was like, I know, guess what? You're gonna have to do it again next week. <laughs> so I'm gonna have to explain that whole system again to players that haven't been super in the know for a while, so. Well, I mean, let's let's be honest. Nobody has been in the know when it comes to next week, so. Well, true, but I mean, they we at least know the idea behind it, even though we're gonna have to reread everything. Like, we understand that we're gonna have to train things and use those points and what they come from and all that jazz. So, anyway. my My heart goes out to pretty much everyone that does, like, build guides or whatever in D&T, because their work is super cut out for them next week. And a lot of what they do is going to be invalidated almost immediately. So, <laughs> like, power to you. Yeah. Fist of solidarity. You can't see it, but it's there. I mean, a lot, I, that's kind of some of the most fun part, though, for, I feel like, for those people, is that they get to, like, all, all their past work is gone, but at the same time, it's like Christmas, as they get to discover new stuff. So, you know, you, you lose some, you win some. <laughs> so, anyway, if you've stuck with us for this long, thank you again for listening, and we will be back next week, hopefully, with a shorter episode full of less drama llamas and flames. Less drama llamas. You're right. <laughs> this has been another episode of Relics of Ore. If you want to get in touch with us, you can check out our website and forums at relicsofore.com, email us at relicsofore at gmail.com, or find us on your favorite social media site just by searching Relics of ORR. If you'd like to join us in game, you can send a whisper or in game mail to Spiritface, or drop us a note on Twitter or our website and say hi. Lastly, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, feel free to leave us a comment and the rating you feel we deserve.